0: MCTV.
1: Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.
2: Hello everyone, welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan. My guests today are Camille Grace Nitschke, Executive Director of the Children's Grief Center Great Lakes Bay Region, and Gabby Gauthier, a Limited licensed Professional Counselor, also with the Children's Grief Center Great Lakes Bay Region. Welcome Camille, I'm just so happy you're here. This is an opportunity to have a good chat about the Grief Center, but also how you became interested in the field. So first, tell me about the Grief Center. Hmm. Thanks, Junior, for having me. So
3: in 2013, I was driving innocently on I-75 through Cincinnati, and my friend John McKelvey called and said, we were gonna start a Grief Center with the Tony and Trish House, but we decided after a couple of years of planning that it wasn't a fit for us. And your name, your name and your face came to mind, when I was trying to figure out who I was gonna turn this over to. And so they hadn't started anything yet, hadn't gotten off the ground, and just gave me that food for thought to think about it. And he said three things. He says, it's about children's grief. And I know from my body work and massage experience that if you don't do your emotional work, if you don't do the work that creates stress in your life, then it will come out somewhere either in your body physically with physical illness or mentally with depression or mental illness. And so I'm a strong proponent of doing your work, especially with grief. And he said they use art with the kids, and I have an art degree from Western, and so it was kind of fun to be able to tap back into that skill. And he said that it's peer support. So it wasn't counseling or therapy. So um, I just needed to have, you know, the ability to be able to listen and to be able to kind of hold sacred space for these kids. And it was based on the model kind of like, you know, when you have like um, diabetes support or 12-step programs or cancer support where somebody who's already been through something can then help someone else who's going through it. Because there's no one else that knows that experience than someone who's gone through it. Um, we do have at the center now, we have a licensed professional on site. so. Um, if anything does come up, we have someone to work with the kids or the adults. And so um, it didn't take me long to realize that this was going to be my next calling. And um, since then, we've just continued to um, grow and grow. Um, What we decided as our mission was that we would create a healing environment for children, teens, and their families grieving a death. And we said, and their families, because not only do the kids come to group, but the adults come as well. They don't have to attend the adult support group, but they have to be on site. And I would say 90% of our people that bring um, children, and I'm not gonna say their children, because sometimes um, it's not always parents, because sometimes both parents have died. And it might be a grandparent bringing them. It might be a social work bringing a child that's in foster care. And so um, sometimes the person that's going to the adult group might not have the same Um, response with grief towards the person that died but they are able to learn how to help the child because it's the children's grief center of the Great Lakes Bay region because at the point that John asked me to do this there was nothing for kids and so I knew as an adult in my 30s having my mom die how much that affected me so I had just an inkling I mean I really don't know how these kids feel because it didn't happen to me as a child but I know how devastating it was in my 30s, so I could only imagine what it would be like for them. So that really pulled on my heartstrings to um, jump in with both feet.
2: When you say, uh, as a result of your massage work, if you don't work with a grief, it comes out physically or mentally. Um, first of all, what does that mean to work with a grief? So part of it is just acknowledging
3: it, that it's there. Um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross created the five stages of grief, which the first symptom, you know, is denial, the first stage. Now, what I've learned since then is that she never really intended it to be just five or that you were going to go in a row. Um, We've kind of compartmentalized it and made it fit. Um, But from what I know, it goes, you know, all over the place, not just segmented one after another. But I would have to say the first kind of stage being denial is that it happens to us not in all cases but generally and the first thing we want to do is start either caretaking the people around us that are grieving and we say no i'm fine and you take care of your child or your um, mother if it's her you know your dad that died or or whatever that might be and so um that denial sneaks in and we don't do our work and so part of it is just um, i've never really liked the term embrace your pain it's like what do you mean embrace my pain and what I've learned is I've created like a visualization is that like embracing your grief means that you're willing to almost have like it sit next to you you know not to deny that it's there not to avoid it which is our first my first instinct sometimes um, but to actually just be able to sit with the sadness I mean this you know the symptom of sadness is I mean that's a natural reaction to loss and so You're supposed to be sad if you love someone and they die. Um, You'll notice I say the the D word. Um, We use euphemisms in our society, you know, I'm sorry you lost your, um, you say that to a five-year-old, I'm sorry you lost your daddy, and they're like, he's lost, let's go find him. So I've had to learn um, through this process how to actually say died and death. Um, It sounds cold, it sounds impersonal, but it's literal and it's what happened and it's part of getting used to that part of grief that your person died and and we don't even say um in our group sometimes we don't say loved one because um for a child that maybe suffered from abuse from the person that died yes you're already assuming you know Too that much. and then so when you say i'm sorry you lost your loved one they're thinking how come i feel more relief and i feel safe now or whatever yeah. And it might only be, you know, 10% or whatever, but, you know, we try to treat every child as if, um, you know, not only is that that it's death and that they're m- most likely going to grieve, but that grief's going to look different for each one of them, and it's going to last different times. And, and some people, it, you know, the effects of grief are more acute. Some, they're delayed. It's, there's no formula for it
2: how How did you work your own grief hmm. about your mom?
3: Well, what's interesting is my mom and I were very close, and um, when she died, it was like um, having my best friend die and um, i you know I'd like to say that I jumped right in and did therapy and did everything I needed to do, but um, within about six months, I was pregnant with my first An only child but you know that she never got to meet and so as soon as I got pregnant it was like you know put the sadness in a box because what I know about you know energy and children it's like you're the your womb I mean the child within your womb can feel the energy of the body and the emotion of the parent the host so to speak the mom and so I immediately started like oh don't be sad because that'll get transferred to the baby and then I had the baby at a you know, rite of passage where your mother's supposed to be there. And I would be like, like, look at her, like so happy. And I'd think, and I'm like, wait, she's not here. And then I'd feel sad. And then I was like, oh, don't feel sad because the baby will feel your sadness. And so I think over time, I just kept stuffing it down, mm-hmm. even though you know it was right there all along. And um, at about three years, Helena was three years old And there was like a series of things that happened. It was the anniversary of my mom's death. Um, My golden retriever of 14 years died. You know, different things. Hormonally, I was dealing with some stuff. So um, it all was right there in my face. And I was in a very dark place. It was probably delayed postpartum depression. I'm not really sure. But that's when I really realized that it was unresolved grief. And so I went back to therapy. And um, all along, I was writing my mom letters in a journal when she died and then I started when I found I was pregnant I would write you know to her about the baby and then I started writing to Helena about my mom and I've always kept my mom's story alive with my daughter so if Helena and I were walking you know if we were in a store right now and she saw a khaki like army jacket you know and she'd be like oh grandma like she'd like that when she I mean she always she knows more about my mom than (laughs) than any you know I mean she doesn't know very was. much about her other grandparents because my husband doesn't tell the stories, but I always have, you know. So I think that's another thing that happens in our with the grief center and the kids is they get a place to tell their story, you know, because it's huge. I mean, you see it on Facebook. Everybody's like, they'll suddenly tell a story about their person, you know, months later, and somebody's like, wow, I didn't know that about him. Thanks for sharing that. And it gives you a place to be able to, you know, share about the love and share about that person, and it, and it keeps a part of them alive, and they're always going to be alive in your heart. And so this way, you know, other people get to learn about things that maybe they didn't know. I still hear, I mean, people still tell me stories about my mom or my dad because I'm open to hearing them because they hear me tell their story. So it's very cathartic and therapeutic to be able to have a place for people to tell their story and for people to listen. And so part of our training that we do with the Grief Center, it's 15 hours, and you actually learn how to talk about death and to be a good listener and to not, we teach our volunteers to say, okay, you're Switzerland. You're, you know, when somebody says something that's sad, you're not like, oh. I mean, people don't need pity when they're grieving. They need a
2: sense of just someone being there and being willing to listen. With their hearts. Right. I noticed, When my brother died in an untimely death following heart surgery, and my mother was having a collapse, I couldn't grieve. Then, (laughs) when my mother died, I was lying down. Ted's brother uh, died, and he asked me to do a lot of arrangements. And I was struggling with myself am I going to? was good for me, right mm-hmm. Or would do it? And I said, well, he's living, so I've got to do it for him. Mm-hmm. And then when Ted died, I said, this time, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to feel what I feel, and mm-hmm. that's it. And I found out grief is different from depression. You know, I felt I was honoring him mm-hmm. and I was honoring our relationship. Mm-hmm. But I always followed, I tried to but it took a long time, way mm-hmm. longer than, you know, they tell you about, right. uh, you know, in biblical terms or other terms. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea of, um, as they call it, being present, but I call it he- hearing with the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's, it's different. And I do think we pick up these other's energies, those of us who like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so if the heart is open, that person knows it and they can re- the grieving person can relax. And I think it's hard when it's a child because even if they had words to express it, who in their kindergarten class or their third grade class is going to have had that experience? And so it's somewhat lonely, right. you know, because unless you have an experience, you can't really understand, right. I, I think. So in the building of the grief center, how did you start?
3: So um, we were trained by the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon and Oregon, and they train people from all over the world to have grief centers. And so we went out there and we learned from A to Z how to do it and we came back and we had our first groups in the fall of 2014 at Messiah um, Lutheran Church. And we're not a um, religious organization at all, but the church was gracious enough to um, donate space so we could have the groups. Um, so it was a wonderful space. Um, one of the things that um, you were talking about with the listening of the heart, with uh, children, it takes some time. You know, so being, a, being uncomfortable, or be, you know, learning to be comfortable in that silence and not filling it in, not finishing their sentences, not trying to, well, don't worry, you know, someday your mommy will remarry and you'll have another daddy, or the things that people say that they're trying to be helpful, um, but instead you know of just listening and being present for the child they do something like that because it's what we do Brene Brown calls it silver lining it you know um, what's like a silver line? silver she calls it silver lining it in her uh, it's a um, video that she does about empathy and oh. the, the one animal is like a goat is saying to the bear well you know I'm sorry you had a miscarriage but at least you know you can have children or I'm sorry that John's not doing well at school, but at least you have Mary. And you, we try to, like, make something Even good out of something that's bad and, you know, have the silver lining. And sometimes there just isn't a silver lining. And, you know, children do take time. And so waiting in that pause, they're thinking. And if you wait, then all of a sudden they finish, you know, whatever it is they were, you know, starting out with. Uh, we use art and we use storytelling and we use you know dolls they'll end up um, reenacting something that happened with dolls I I didn't even realize it but we have a one of our videos we there's a little girl in it and she's um, giving CPR with two dolls and you know that's part of her experience from the death that she witnessed so um, you have to give them that space so that they can do it in their time and just um, really just, you know, create an environment that feels safe and healing, and they're surrounded by their peers. When a child comes the first time, I get right down on one knee, and I go, so you know why you're here, right? Because somebody you had close close Yes. To and they nod, and I go, look around. You see all the kids? And they look around, and I'm like, every single kid that's here has had somebody close to them die. And it's almost like their shoulders just kind of go. Oh. Yes. You know, for once, they're the same in the room instead of the one child in the classroom that how has, has that this changed you over the years oh that's a great question so i say, i'd say the biggest thing is that i've learned to appreciate life even more and the people that i still have in my life i have even more gratitude for um it's given me a sense of um like really like in a place where you don't have anything that you can do for someone being able to It's not me doing it. People are always like, oh, Camille, you're doing all these things. I just am like, I get to witness it and see the rewards of what's happening. And so I've just put, like, all the players in place, my volunteers. We couldn't do this without our volunteers. I couldn't do it without my board. I have an incredible board. And, you know, the kids that come, the bravery and the courage that they have. I mean, going within and doing your grief work is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it also, if you have the courage to do that, You'll actually come out, not on the other side, but you'll come through it having greater tools and skills than you would have had before this happened. I mean, our kids that come, they become very mature. You know, some of my eight-year-olds are mature, more mature than some of the people I know that have never had that experience.
2: You're a wonder. Thank you for being here. We're going to take a short break while we have one of the wonderful employees you have, tell us about things that can be done, or are done at the center. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. (laughs) Well, Gabby, I mean, wonderfully that you're here and part of this program. Tell me what your exact title is at the Grief Center.
1: I am the program and intern coordinator
2: which involves what kind of work?
1: So I design the programs for group, which means we, each month we have a theme of the month. So oh, um, like this month is connection. So we focus on the connections of the kids and each other. So the kids in the group, but also with their person who died.
2: Um, what, what would be other examples of a theme of the month?
1: So we do feelings um, next week or next month is feelings actually. So an example of that, we do something called a feeling mask. Um, and it's, it starts off as a blank mask and we decorate it so on the outside we show what we show the world, but on the inside we show like our inside feelings, so the things that we might not show every day. Um, we also have done a theme on worry. So we make a little worry monster and we feed, so it's, we can feed our worries to the monster so it's like an act of letting go. So we have so many. We all should be doing that yes, occasionally. Definitely, <laughs> and I do adapt that for the teens too. So because we have age groups from five to 18, so the older kids might not want to feed their worries to a monster, but they would be more willing to put it in a worry box. So be able to set it aside. Right, I hear you.
2: So is there like fourth? Uh, I'm trying to think between five and 18. Mm-hmm. Is it? So that means at least four or five different approaches or not yeah. that many?
1: So we have an Elmer's group, which is five to eight, and then a Middler's group, which is nine to about 12, 13, and then a teen group, so 13 and to 18. Um, Are they more self-conscious at one age or another? Um, it depends, they're all different. They're all. They all have different needs and they all approach each activity differently. So sometimes we'll start an activity and if they're not into it, we'll just kind of, we'll switch gears and we, we're really good at playing on our feet.
2: And it, is there a, a, a minimum or maximum in the, in the group setting or if, yeah. if, whoever shows up with yeah, we, whatever problem at that time?
1: We try to max it at 10, um, 10 or 12 kids per group. Um, if it's any more than that, it, it, we want to give every kid an opportunity to share. Um, but we've had groups when it's just two kids (laughs) and it works they still find a connection with each other they're still able to share about their person so but our goal is to have about 10 to 12 kids per group that's our maximum how do you maintain control our awesome volunteers we (laughs) what do you
2: have them do
1: so it's most of uh, everything's run by our volunteers. Oh, so say. Yeah, they lead facilitate, um, they run the program, they run our activities. So especially with our Elmers, we'll have, we'll alternate them. So we'll have a kid, adult, kid, adult, kid, adult, because sometimes they get a little squirrely, we like to say. Yes. Um, but with, when it comes to our older kids, so the teens, we probably only have two volunteers in there because the teens will get overwhelmed with having too many adults in the room. So we're able to, we we love our volunteers. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, so it's it's amazing. It's an amazing place to volunteer at.
2: What kind of person would be interested in becoming a volunteer?
1: Most of our volunteers um, have had their own grief experience. So they've had someone die at a young age or even at an older age. Um, and they know what it feels like. So they want to be able to um, share their wisdom and just be able to heal by helping kids. Um, because I've, I've noticed, especially when you help others, you're helping yourself too.
2: Yes. Definitely. Is there a fatigue, in, a volunteer fatigue? In other words, you do this for a while and then you just can't do it anymore?
1: It's happened but we do we have a pre group and a post group every time so we we prep you for group um Camille does a meditation with us every time before we go in so we kind of leave everything by the door as we come in and then we have a post group so we have our own peer support group so if anything major comes up for us like if a kid has a very similar story to one of our volunteers we're able to talk about it in our post group so even if they do get they're able to talk about it.
2: Is it a year-round program?
1: We run from August to May, um, and we, then we like to have summer events. So we'll have like a summer group here and there. But uh, the main program is through the school year.
2: Are you self, or not for a five-year-old, but self-recommended to the grief center? How would you participate? How would you have the opportunity to participate?
1: So a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, we have a bus in Saginaw now, so I just got my first intake from the bus, which is amazing. Um, we've had a lot of interns from all the schools, so the schools know about us. And it really is word of mouth, people telling people and hear- everyone hearing about us through a friend of a friend. <laughs> yeah. And we also get referrals from schools and therapists, so they all know about us as well. And
2: how do you self-support? The, the project
1: how do we self-support
2: yes in other words are there grants oh yeah
1: um, grants and fundraising. fundraising um, we have a luncheon every in Midland and Saginaw and Bay City because we're in all three cities now so we'll have a luncheon to support the grief Center which we get a lot of fundraising but it's mostly grants um, yeah
2: it's an amazing program yeah how can you tell, uh, or I, I don't know exactly, how, but uh, it's what I mean, how can you tell when a, a, a child or a teenage person is ready to uh, move on because they're more stable or they understand yeah. better?
1: They, it, it's kind of a dwindling process. They might miss a group and then come back and then miss another one, and they just slowly start to fade out because they get busy with sports and arts and stuff in school, and that's amazing because when they're too busy for us, that usually means they start, they're starting the, the healing process. Um, but we're, they're always welcome back because if we have a five-year-old who comes for, let's say a year and they, the adult feels like they're in a good position, they still might, like when they're turned 12, it might be a whole different grief game because they're going through puberty and they're just experiencing things that they didn't know they would experience.
2: And how did you connect with the program? What brought you to it?
1: Um, I started as an intern. Um, at. I was a student at CMU for their counseling program, and I called and I told Camille that I wanted to work with grief. I wasn't sure about kids, but I was willing to try, and she took me on anyway, and now I love it. I love working with the kids. So I couldn't think of a better place to be.
2: And what satisfactions do you have from this?
1: Oh my gosh. Not
2: satisfactions really, but. How has it changed you?
1: Wow. I definitely, I appreciate, I appreciate the little things more. I yeah. definitely, I call my family all the time. I make sure my connections are strong with the people that I love. Um, but I, being able to see the transformations of the children in group, even if it's just one group, sometimes they come in and they're hiding behind their parent. And by the time the group's over, they don't want to leave. And they're looking forward to coming back. So that's always amazing to see.
2: Thank you very much, Gabby. So we've learned uh, from both our wonderful guests, there's, there's room for growth and gro- room for the spirit of being alive as a human being to help fellow human beings. And Camille wrote the suggestion, but had a range of experience that could bring her right to um what do i want to say uh formatting the the program which they studied but that was also nice gabby had an interest in the field and found out even though she wasn't geared towards one side of it she was geared toward the other towards children so be open to what you can enjoy in life and what you could contribute in life and be mindful um, that people have it hard. They don't have it hard at the same time, but they have it hard. So remember to go out and do something nice for someone you know and someone you don't know. Do it again every single day and be generous. Smile at people. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.
1: So glad to have you here. To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com.
0: Thank you for joining us.
1: See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.